I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, hey, hello. Leavers and unbelievers, wear your heart on your sleevers, and for this month, the LGBT pluses. We're continuing our focus on the LGBTQIA plus community this month with part two of Ben and Brian's Big Breakfast. And if you haven't tuned into part one, I think it's a good idea that you do that first. But... Uh, Ben Gresham Petchel, our guest, decided to tweet Brian and Brian Houston, the former leader of Hillsong, you might remember. And what do you know if Brian didn't tweet back? And they had a meeting to discuss gay conversion therapy and what should be done. So welcome back, welcome back. There's a huge content warning on this. It's, It's hard stuff, but it's a great story. My name's Tanya. Matt Drapper, or Drapper, is my co-host for this Pride Month here at Leaving Hillsong. And we had the wonderful opportunity of sitting with Ben and discussing his big old breakfast with Brian, coming out of the closet and coming out of Hillsong. And he's got so much joy to share. So, let's hit up part two of Ben and Brian's Big Breakfast. So I tweeted Brian, Tanya, and I tweeted him this, like, I, I think I said something like, Gay people are dying in your church. There is blood on your hands. And how dramatic is that? That's like now the feel. I mean, it's not wrong. It's not wrong. But the filtered part of me now probably wouldn't allow myself to do something like that. But back then, the kind of crowd out there, gay twink, decided to tweet Brian. We all know Brian loves Twitter, and he absolutely does love Twitter. And he loves the drama of it. He loves the drama of it. So he replied back, and he said, "I would love to." you know, maybe have a coffee with you, publicly tweeted back. And he said, I'd love to have coffee with you when I'm back in Australia. And so I reached out Yeah. and Brian decided to meet me and we had, you know, we were kind of going through the dates, you know, when are you available? You know, will we do it? Will we catch up in the hills or the city? And anyway, we finally agreed to do a breakfast in Glenhaven, which is where Brian and Bobby lived. And I think they still live today. And we met at Flower Power, which is a nursery, a garden nursery, and they sell plants in Glenhaven. And that was not nice too and far from where. Open and outdoors. Nice and open and outdoorsy. Public. Uh, public and the date was 12th of November 2010 Friday morning and I remember being so nervous like oh my goodness I'm, I'm gonna like you know I'd, I'd seen Brian I'd said hello to him heaps of times in church but you know it was just me and him having yeah, breakfast I and I was so nervous and I kind yeah. of felt like I was meeting the president because that's who Brian is right like yes. he was like he was the big man in in church but but I also felt like I had the entire weight of the kind of traumatized gay Christian yeah. Hillsong world on my shoulders and so I wanted to do right by that 
I remember I drove, I'd stayed at my parents' house and I had printed off a table with 10 names on it. 10 names of young queer people at Hillsong, lesbian, gay, bisexual people at Hillsong and their experiences. And let me be really, really clear that all of our experiences were different. Not everyone had been through a conversion program like me. Mm -hmm. And not everyone had been treated the same way I was treated. I mean, everyone had a negative experience. It was just kind of what level of damage, what level of negativity had these young lesbian, gay, bisexual people gone through. And it was, there was always a story of heartbreak and pain and rejection and confusion and just wanting to belong in a place where they felt like God would love them and their church would love them. And none of them felt that way. And that, I think, is the, the saddest thing in all of this. I had the names. I had their ages. You know, I used anonymous for people that didn't want to be identified. And I even included email addresses because I thought, you know, may, maybe Brian might want to email these people and just say, hey, you know what? We actually do love you. There's a space for you. I was going in there trying to advocate for Hillsong to be this place of gay acceptance and gay welcome. And probably at that stage, wanting Hillsong to jump 50 years into the future. And, and it was a bit unrealistic of me, but I had this great hope that maybe Hillsong would become a, a gay-friendly place. I had my story, I dressed up nice in a college shirt mm. and some nice jeans, ready to meet Pastor Brian. And I, I, I walked into Flower Power. I sat at a table in the cafe section and then I saw Pastor Brian walk in. Mm. And it was just unreal and overwhelming all at the same time. And I probably had about an hour and a half with him. Okay. Um, and it was a very frank, open, candid conversation with him about my experience, about my story, about my hope for the church, about what I'd heard other people go through, about his views on homosexuality. And I didn't sign any sort of non-disclosure agreement. I didn't yeah. sign anything saying that I wouldn't share anything. So I actually wrote a blog post straight after. As soon yeah. as I got home, I wrote a blog post about it. And I called it My Breakfast with Brian. It, it's, it's still there. And um, I wrote a blog post about it and the questions I'd asked Brian, because I felt like people deserve to know as well, because queer people in Hillsong Church got no answers at all. No answers. So we were left to navigate this by ourselves. And at this time, you know, I mean, they they'd kind of bring Cy Rogers in. There was no answers. There was nothing kind of for anyone. It was kind of like, figure it out. And when people tried to figure it out, it was always the same. It was like, you're sinful. You're not welcome. Being gay is wrong. And so I thought, I'm just going to ask him these questions. And I did. And I, I'll never forget how real he felt. In my, in my head, he was like this, this idol, this, you know, big mm. man, you know, kind of this, this almost like godlike figure. And yet, he was having a really candid conversation with me about gay stuff and homosexuality. And it was just odd and refreshing at the same time. And there's a lot to unpack even in just that. Yeah, that and conversation. I, wonder, I wonder in retrospect. Yeah, I'm, wow, I'm so impressed by this. I mean, it was 12 years ago, but still, I mean, he's an imposing character, Brian, and a mixture of kind of personality aspects, you know, very... Not, not, intimidate but I mean he's you know he's got a presence now he's a, a, a big figure and and yet kind of just a regular guy he can do that as well so it's um it really feels like the kind of old-timey LGBTQ kind of protest you would have someone with very little power meeting with somebody with just immense amounts of power and 
just sitting face to face and bringing that list of people. It reminds me of sort of like the, the, the protests during the era of, you know, AIDS and when people would, would bring people's physical names to the desks of politicians and say to people, these are real human beings. Look at them, look them in their eyes. And yes. so I'm, I'm interested in this breakfast. On your blog post, it mentions that you felt like Brian was quite nervous himself about meeting her and so on. What, what do you think that was about? Yeah, look, he definitely was. And that's, that surprised me. I didn't think he'd be nervous. I mean, because who am I in, in the scheme of things? But, you know, I think it, it would be easy for me to go, maybe it was to do with damage control. And, you know, he didn't want me putting the name Hillsong and my experiences, which were quite horrific. He didn't want me putting that out there to the public. And so maybe a bit of it was damage control. But I do, I do genuinely think even today, even with Brian's failings, I think he still did have a heart, a genuine heart for people and for his congregation I, I i'm not saying he, he was certainly not perfect we, we all know we all know he's not perfect right that's like i mean that's part of the reason why we have this podcast but i i do think that at least part of him was good and part of him felt some sort of level of guilt about what i had gone through mm-hmm. and and some sort of level of responsibility about it not wanting to happen again because i mean even though i mean hillsong didn't become a welcoming place for gay people after this what what it did do though it was quite powerful because he did say he did say to me that he would speak to his youth leaders and he would speak to his staff and he'd speak to the counselors and he'd share what what would happen to me and he would make sure that gay conversion therapy is not happening at hillsong and nobody's being referred to it and what i found out is he actually he did do that he spoke to his staff he spoke to his youth leaders and he said to all of them, he said, nobody, I don't want anybody being referred to gay conversion therapy. I don't want anybody advocating for this pathway. So he did do that. So credit where credit's due, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, yep. Brian and I didn't see eye to eye on everything. And he certainly wasn't, you know, a, an ally. I wouldn't say he's an ally, but he did give me that commitment and he did follow through with it. And I mean, it still doesn't mean that people didn't fall through the cracks, right? Mm. But at least you had for the first time yep. the leader of Hillsong saying to staff, you were not to do this. You were not to refer people yeah. to gay conversion programs. And he also was very candid with me at saying that he himself didn't support gay conversion. He, he also didn't affirm gay people. Mm. Uh-huh. Uh, he certainly didn't do that, but he, he didn't believe that conversion worked either which was a very candid kind of frank position. I think it was weird because I I expected to go into there thinking that I would be the one being vulnerable with him. And I was, but he was also really vulnerable with me. Mm. This was a life-saving breakfast, you know, ultimately. And and I'd hoped that it would be because honestly, it was so horrible what I went through and just, just, I think anybody that is passionate and advocates from a place of experience, I think you, you do it because you know that you don't want anybody else to go through that and, and be where you were at and feel that sense of shame. Yeah. Because when you feel that sense of, I think is it, I mean, it's pride month, right. But, and Drapa, you know what I'm talking about, but, but when you feel that sense of liberation yeah. and freedom as somebody who is queer, as somebody who's gay, you, you can't, you can't go back in the closet anymore. You, you've seen, use a Christian term, you've seen the light and you, you no longer can hide it. You want everybody else to experience the joy mm-hmm. and the freedom that you're experiencing. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that it's all going to be easy and it doesn't mean that things are just going to magically get better, but it does mean that you might accept yourself and, and find a place where you feel you have that freedom 
you know, if you still want to be a Christian, you can do that, but at least you can accept yourself for who you are and, 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 and be yeah. ashamed of it. Yeah. Yeah. And so this breakfast that I had with him, when we talked about everything, we talked about Cy Rogers, we talked about training, we talked about what other churches were doing. And it was just, it was just really frank and really candid. And after this breakfast, for maybe for a period of about two years, even, even after I'd left Hillsong, Brian and I would still occasionally email and, okay. again, Twitter, right? The medium is Twitter. I would still use Twitter to, if I saw that he was doing something good for the gay community, even if it was something very, very small, like a, somebody saying, you know, we don't want gay people to feel bad at church or being really clear on a message and providing more info, I would commend him on Twitter because it was the right thing to do. But I'd also try to hold him to account. And we developed, I wouldn't, I don't know if it was a friendship, Tanya, yeah. but it was kind of a strange, I guess maybe a, a slightly distant friendship where like he would answer emails from me and he would retweet, you know, like kind of respond to my tweets and do things. So it was this kind of, whereas he was this ridiculously busy man. And even though he knew I'd published this blog post, right? Like he knew it and I didn't know what that would do. And I didn't know how he would feel about it, but it's a very reasonable post, though, but I sort of wonder with people at that level of, you know, power and influence and success, how many, you know, genuine people do they actually get engaging with them mm. critically and approvingly? You know, that that's as genuine as you can get. And I'd, I'd imagine it'd be a long time, especially since then, that anyone's done that. And I think that part of it, I tried to make it clear with him that I wasn't the enemy in all of this. Like I wasn't, I wasn't out to get him. Yep. I wasn't out to destroy the church. And I wasn't, I wasn't. This is like, I, I hadn't, like apart from my blog post, anytime I did media, I shared my story and I didn't mention Hillsong. And I didn't do it out of respect for that relationship I had with Brian, kind of that friendship yeah. But I also didn't do it because I, I, at the time, I didn't want to damage the church or hurt the church. And look, part of that was good and part of it was bad. And I'm at a point now in my life where I realize that my story is my story and I don't have to protect big entities or people from being able to share my truth. But, you know, I kind of, I guess I, I, I wanted to give, or I, I would, I'd hoped that I would be able to give Brian that breathing space to be able to make enough change without me making it more difficult for him. Just before we jump too far ahead, what do you make of the great Do I Love Gay People by Brian Houston letter that I think that was 2016? So conversations that Brian was having at the time with myself and with Anthony Van Brown definitely helped him be at a point where he felt like he could write that letter. Was it the answer that we wanted? No, because he oh, still, okay. you know, homosexuality is a sin and he still doesn't affirm gay lifestyles. But for the first time, that letter was so powerful, that, that blog post, that letter from Brian, Do I Love Gay People? Because it was the first time I think a lot of queer people at Hillsong had actually heard him say anything directly about who they were. Was this during the um, same-sex marriage bloodlet that was going on in no. Australia? No, Rather this was... Time? This was a few years before that, but it was in response to so many news articles at the time and other people, lo lots of people coming out and saying mm -hmm. Hillsong's homophobic, Hillsong's homophobic. And so I think Brian just a bit of him maybe snapped and said, I've got to protect my reputation. And also was like, hang on a second, you know, no, I've met with Ben and I've met with, you know, Anthony and they know I'm not homophobic. 
and I, I want to set the record straight that I'm not homophobic. Yeah. I think that's what it was. I think it was a lot about kind of reputational yeah. things. Yeah. And so he wrote this blog post, Do I Love Gay People, where he's like, yes, I love gay people. Yes, they're welcome at Hillsong Church, but, but we don't, we don't they're affirm sinners. they're sinners and we don't affirm their lifestyles and they can't serve. Yeah. It's funny how they define homophobia. I'm definitely not homophobic, but. <laughs> but, but. And, and, and you know what? I heard, I heard other stories. There were other gay people who, just like me, had decided to stay at Hillsong. And many of these people stayed a lot longer than I did after they'd come out. And one of them had signed up to volunteer at Hillsong Conference for the entire week, which isn't paid and it's exhausting and it's demanding. And anybody who's done it knows exactly what I'm talking about. Anyway, he'd signed up to serve the entire week at Hillsong Conference in the excellence team. Now, the excellence team sounds like a pretty great team, right? But it's not. The excellence team was the toilet cleaners, the cleaners, the vacuumers. Right. That was the excellence team. Can you believe okay. it? Hillsong, Hillsong had a name excellence for everything. Team, yeah. Anyway, he'd signed up to be this excellence team to clean toilets and things. And then they found out he had a boyfriend and he was told, no, sorry, you can't do that. You can't, you can't serve anymore. So he was stopped from cleaning toilets because he had a boyfriend. Sorry, wow. what? Can't keep a gay man from excellence, surely. Absolutely <laughs> not. And I'll tell, tell you what, Tanya, those toilets would have been shinier and brighter and cleaner oh, than ever before. Of course. I mean, this is why I think they've been so exploitative. And you'll remember that stuff came out right about the, the New York, the guys in New York that were in yeah. a relationship from Survivor. They had been sort of people were looking the other way because when you've got some really, really talented people who are prepared to put their all into your productions mm -hmm. and theatre and stuff, I mean, <clears throat> maybe they can sort of, <laughs> you know, well, and that's what happened. Well, I mean, it and it was so inconsistent, Tanya, as well, because I was oh. told that I couldn't serve. Like I was doing the host, the host team, right? It's a host. Again, it sounds grand, but it was just showing people to their seat and doing mm -hmm. the communion and cleaning up after them after they went. And I was told I couldn't do that anymore because I was gay. So maybe they were worried that I would show them to the wrong seat. I don't know what it gets. Maybe they thought they got to show them right out the door. I don't know. Out <laughs> the door, exactly. Yeah. Even they, no, yeah. Who knows? Uh, yeah, and yet I I really wonder how much of New York's success and a lot of their show's success has come off the back of the community's effort. Oh, absolutely, and I think let, let's not pretend here, right? Like let's be, look, even Brian Houston in my breakfast with him admitted that he thought there was gay people in the church. Gosh. Which is funny, you know, like straight, a lot of straight men, I don't know why it's just straight men, I don't see women doing it, but straight men like to play a game called like guess the gay. You know, uh -huh. where's the gay? Let's guess the gay. Is there a gay in the family or the church or the supermarket? Who knows? Uh -huh. Anyway, in Hillsong, you could play the game, guess the gay, because there, you know, there are gay people in Hillsong and a lot of them are closeted. And a lot of them are wonderful people who want to use their amazing talents and gifts for the benefit of the church, which I mean, look good on them. I can't do that anymore. But mm. if that's where they're at, then power yeah. to them. But I don't think you can have a church with, big colourful light and amazing music and right. the most incredible Christmas musicals you've ever seen without at least one gay man. I mean, well, and it's, is that being, am I, you know, are we leaning on stereotypes there or chicken and egg? Because I tell you what, something like I'd tell you 60 to 80% of people that I speak to who have left, sexuality is a part of it. They're either yeah. gay or, you know, there's been... um been challenges along the way it's it's incredible I've often wondered why it does seem to come down to those are the people who absolutely had to make these 
decisions, I guess, couldn't hide comfortably in the system and, you know, let life pass them by, I, I guess. I. It's harder for many of them too, because, I mean, like I, I was serving in the... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. ...team that, you know, showing people to their seats. These people, some of them are on stage. So for me to come out, you know, difficult as that was and everything that I went through, I didn't also lose my job. I didn't lose mm-hmm. my source of income. Yeah. I didn't mm-hmm. lose my, in some cases, my notoriety or my fame or whatever it is. So there's a lot at risk for a well, lot of people. And it's not like that people can easily pick up work as something else as well. I mean, there's so many kind of dead ends in that system. Hey. Absolutely. Yeah. You can't just go from being a, a pastor to what? I mean, so, and I mean, they would know that as well. They, they'd have to know, they'd have to know all these things and, and the choices that people sort of aren't left with, I guess. Such a lot you went through at quite a young age. You, you kind of mm. you've sped through the levels. You've leveled up really quickly in a short amount of years, it seems. Really intense or, or what do you think? I, People take 20 and 30 years to get to some of these things that you've hopped, skipped and jumped to. I think part of it was, I think I got lucky. I think I, I say that in the context of finding mm. support, support systems, people mm-hmm. like me, and also the internet going along the journey with me. So yeah. when I first came out, Facebook started to go and social media, Twitter, you know, these things started to boom and the internet became bigger. And so I had the ability to write a blog and share my story and also get support from other people all around the world who are in similar situations. And so Mm. my journey was helped by a, a lot of incredible queer people who had done a lot of soul searching and trying to find their path before me, who helped me do things like write a coming out letter to my parents, you know, they helped me just kind of figure out my life. And, you know, I made a lot of bad decisions. You know, I, I made some mistakes as every young person does, but yeah. I think I owe where I am now to great support, really amazing people in my life. Parents went on the journey with me. They're Christians. They, they weren't comfortable at first, but they went on the journey with me. Or whether it was good psychologists and really good support in that space. I think, Mm. I mean, had I not had that, I would be a completely different person. Even today, I mean, I still, (laughs) is every day perfect? Absolutely not. And I still get triggered by things. There's one particular park bench, which is right out the front of Hillsong at the Hills campus, (laughs) where I 
first told of my friends at the time that I was self-harming and I still can't go anywhere near that park bench. I still, I can't, I can't, I can't, I, it's, it's just, it's too triggering for me. And I can't, there's lots of little things like that. Like I still really struggle with holding my husband's hand and it's something so simple, but I just get so scared and anxious and I can't, I can't shake that. Even after all these years, I can't, I can't shake that kind of that sense of discomfort and the slight internalized homophobia that I still carry with me today, despite being out for so long. And I, and, and it is getting better, but will it ever go away? Probably not. But look, I, I'm so grateful for everyone that's been in my world that's helped me. That's great support systems and surrounding yourself with people who love you and support you and are there for you and can go on the journey with you is just so powerful. I think one of your interviews, there was a comment from the parents as well, and they were saying how they didn't know about what was going on in the church, the sort of the conversion therapy and so on. And how did uh, how did they react when they found out about it? And was there is there you know sort of safeguarding that should have been in place? I suppose you said earlier that you know you felt you didn't want to burden them with it, and you wanted to keep that, that from them. And so, what 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 do you feel like that relationship, that experience was with your parents? Yeah. So look, even when I decided to come out to them properly, and so I went through everything, all this depression, the the suicide attempts, everything without my parents even knowing I was gay. They just thought I had mental health problems and was depressed. And so Mm. it wasn't until I went to this group called Freedom to Be, which is, you know, Mm. the gay support group I was part of, that they helped me write a coming out letter to my parents. And even at that time, I thought my parents might kick me out of home. And so Mm. I I had a bag packed in the back of the car and I had friends who I was going to stay with mm-hmm. in case everything went south. And I wrote this letter to them, this coming out letter. And I went out for the day with a friend and went to watch a movie. And then I got a text from them. I left the coming out letter on the dining room table and they read it. Mm-hmm. And then I got a text from my parents just saying, we love you. Please come home. Yeah. yeah. And credit to my parents. And I know a lot of Christian parents really struggle with this. And my heart mm-hmm. goes out to all of those Christian parents and families who struggle so much with all of this. But my parents moved forward and became who they are today because they were willing to listen to me and hear my experience and my stories. And also any book that I gave them, you know, they would read or any documentary I would give them, they would watch. They loved me that much that they were willing to do whatever they could to go on the journey with me and help support me and love me and be there for me. And even though they didn't get it, necessarily and at at first it would have it was really difficult for them like really difficult for them but they went on the journey just like so many people do and today they still go to church every Sunday uh, not to Hillsong they go to this LGBTIQ affirming uniting church and they won't go to a church that is anti-gay they won't even go to a church that has a unclear position so they wouldn't they would never go to a church like hillsong even the hillsong that it is today because they don't have a affirming position and so that's where my parents are right now they've they've become complete advocates they've even marched in the sydney gay and lesbian mardi gras which is amazing you wouldn't have predicted that tell me never never if i if i'd known this would have been their response Mm. i would have never have gone through these these gay conversion programs i would have never hated myself so Mm. much my mum says now that if she had known that I was going through those things, she would have taken me out of Hillsong. She would have taken me out of Hillsong so quickly. And she almost feels angry at Hillsong for taking away her Mm. right 
to decide what is best for her son. Yeah, because they and, circumvent that parental decision, don't they, when they start imposing those kinds of programs and stuff. I mean, that's that's a really beautiful part of it is we can really misjudge people negatively, hey. But there's so much clouded by so our much own secrecy. Yeah. yeah. But they, they, they put so much secrecy on you. And also you were saying how in the therapy they were trying to get you to, you know, kind of almost separate you from your parents in that, you know, they were saying like, oh, your father must be overbearing, your mother must be too loving. And mm. I wonder how many people, you know, who would have had or could have had support from their families didn't because of the conversion therapy and what they, you know, the things they put in their minds about that kind of thing and the secrecy that they they impose on you. Whereas yes, they, you know, if you'd known, if, you know, if you'd known, you know, where your parents were at, then it would have prevent, prevented so much. So it's, it's, that's the sad side of it as well. It's really sad. Even, look, there's people even in Hillsong Church today, staff members who are very pro-LGBTIQ. And I've got a few friends that are still staff members at Hillsong and they are the best allies and advocates and still have been trying to make rumbles within the church. They're people that normally I would have, I, I've been friends with them for ages and I, I and I would ride them off. And, you know, mm. when I was going through what I was going through, when I thought I was the only gay person, mm. I thought everyone hated me. I, I thought being gay was just so bad and every other Christian must think the same mm. way. But there's so many Christians and people, even people at Hillsong and good people out there who mm. still have their faith who are very supportive and they're willing to just, you know, love you. I think, I think as, as a human being, as a mm. friend, as a person, the, if they love God and love others, they actually take that seriously. Yeah. Whereas without yeah. any conditions. Yeah. It's some of our own fears can often be our own worst enemies with that whole path to authenticity. Hey, it, that's lovely. What sort of advice would you give to somebody that's there now? you know, really enmeshed in a life, in a community, in a family, even maybe, I, I, you know, where do they start from 16 year old you? What would you, what would you recommend? I think I'd, I'd start off by saying that no matter how alone you feel right now, you are not alone. There are people that understand what you're going through that know how you're feeling and know the turbulence and the turmoil and how, how hard it is to wrestle with your faith and your sexuality and and truly be yourself it is worth that's that's the first thing i would say you're not alone and yeah. and the second thing i would say is it's absolutely worth all the difficulty all the pain all the challenge just to come out and be free and be who you are and i know that seems maybe like it's impossible particularly for certain people who are there and wrestling with this at the moment but it's worth every minute to be who you are to live authentically as you, I think there is no greater freedom in the world. And don't wait too long is probably the other thing I would say. You have a chance to live a life as you truly are, perhaps for the first time ever. And, you know, you could fall in love and experience the magic of what it means to fall in love. Mm. Or you could find yourself surrounded by a community of people just like you who love you and support you and want to bring out the best of you in mm. all of your colors, in everything that you are. And, you know, if you still want to love God, you can do that too. And, you know, there's no restrictions placed on that. I, I think just it's worth it all if you if you have the courage to come out and, you know, if you if you do have the courage, reach out, even if it's a tiny bit of courage, you know, reach yep. out get in touch with somebody who will support you and be there for you and it's worth it all it's worth everything just to 
live authentically and be who you are and start the healing as well. I think that's a really important thing. Yeah, yeah. Just start the healing and get the help that you need and you owe it to yourself to have a life where you wake up every morning and you know that you know, you're not a mistake. You're not a failure. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. You're everything opposite of that. You're loved. You are exactly who you're meant to be. You have value in this world. You matter. And there are people out there who love you and will love you for every part of you. And I think that's important to realise as well and to, to hear. That's so gorgeous. Now, you've been married for how long? Five, it'll be five years in January. Can oh, you believe that? Right. Yeah, right. yeah, I, I, I can't as well. And guess where we met, Tanya? Mm-hmm. We met. <laughs> so I had this gay, um, so a gay Christian friend who was having a birthday party in Sydney and he invited some of his friends and I was one of them. And I met my husband at that party and we chatted for the first time and I thought he was very handsome and attractive and good looking. And turns out he was a Christian as well. He was from a oh. Baptist family. Didn't go through conversion therapy, thank God, but understood what it was like to wrestle with it and go through all the pain. We uh, connected. And then a couple months later, kind of just life got in the way. And a couple months later, that same friend, that same gay Christian friend was having a farewell party because Uh he was going over to the United States to do Bible college at a gay affirming Bible college over there. And so he was having a farewell party and we met again at that farewell party and we just hit it off and we started dating and we fell in love and it was just so strange and probably the opposite no I know definitely the opposite of what either of our churches growing up wanted for us but yeah it's been wonderful and really really good man and I'm very blessed and I'm very happy I don't regret coming out not for one second not for one minute not you know I I I wouldn't change a thing if I if I had to change something it would be you know, making the decision to try to change myself. I think when I when I tried to change myself, I, I, if I could go back and do that, I wouldn't ever, you know, agree to going into a program or seeing a counsellor to try yeah. to change who I am. Yeah. But Crazy. Congratulations on your happiness. That's so cool. That's so wonderful. I'm just thinking of teenage you would never have imagined all of this could have been possible, let alone. Oh, no, definitely not. <laughs> I um, teenage me probably thought that I don't know thought gay people were I don't know all sorts of wrong. Wow, I mean, what did we know? What were we ever told? Yeah, I, I mean Tanya, it's been fun talking to you and being on this, and okay. it feels like it feels a little bit risky almost because I remember being at Hillsong and and remember when your book your book was out there, and, um, and I remember Hillsong saying what a dangerous person you were. So I almost feel like. I always feel like this podcast is living on the edge. It, it, um, it is. <laughs> and I'm going to have a hot cup of tea following this interview. So, wow, that's. I really wish I was as kind of maleficent as you know, they, Is that how you say it? <laughs> as they paint me to be, I can just... Oh, <laughs> so kind of anticlimactic for everyone, you know. It's like, mm, yeah. <sighs> wonderful yay thank you that I, this is amazing oh, story this is it's incredible it's just going to help so many people i unfortunately have just been speaking to person after person who's experiencing this 
And it's heartbreaking and I'm sick of it. The only other thing I think I'd say is in New South Wales, gay conversion programs or sexual orientation change efforts are still legal. They haven't been banned. And there's a bunch of us who are trying to get them banned. And we're trying and we're hopeful, but it's taken far too long and it's really really at a point now where it just needs to happen so there is a petition on change.org to end gay conversion and if you type in i'll would that effectively criminalize it is that the hope yeah yeah so it would criminalize it in new south wales so they've banned it in victoria and queensland Queensland, and the act which are these are all other states in australia so about half of australia or a third of australia have banned it and Victoria, which is where Melbourne is, has the strictest or the strongest laws in the world prohibiting gay conversion therapy, sexual orientation, gender identity change efforts. And we want laws in New South Wales like the Victorian laws. Because even though what happened to me was 17 years ago, it's still happening today. Um, It's just more under the cover and more secretive. And really, we want that to stop. And we want any church out there that's still peddling this message that being gay is a sin and broken and harmful, we want that to stop as well. Yeah, enough is enough. It's not okay. If you're in Australia, if you're in New South Wales, speak to whoever will listen about getting attention to stop or to to end gay conversion therapy, to end sexual orientation change efforts. And hopefully we can get that through within the next couple of years. And then I think I'll be able to breathe a little bit easier, to be honest. Yeah, it's a killer. Straight up, it's a killer. And there's no denying that now. We've got the history. We've got the data. There's no no way around it. It straight up mm. kills people and harms them incredibly. So I'm so proud of everything that you have done and achieved in, you know, in that time from your breakfast and, you know, your tweets and all the little things that, you know, they just make such a big difference and they are life-saving yeah. in the end. Yeah. It's just incredible. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. No, thank you. It's a real honour. Thank you so much. We're really, really pleased that you chose us. And and happy Pride Month, everyone, as well. Yes, happy Pride. It's fun. And even if you're like, even if you're not, you know, on the rainbow spectrum, (laughs) you know, maybe celebrate this month by hitting your local queer gay establishment um, and get yes. a cocktail with a drag queen or go to drag, drag bingo <laughs> or or do, some, do something, you know, that gives you joy and, you know, gives you pride for Pride Month. Okay. It's all about the freedom to be for everyone, isn't it? Awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And drag queens will love you, even if you used to go to Hillsong or another church <laughs> like Hillsong. Drag queens will still love you. They'll forgive you. You'll fit you. right They'll, in. <laughs> you'll fit right in. It'll be wonderful. <laughs> it's just like going to colour and watching Bobby. It's just it's well... like a man in a dress and not Bobby. <laughs> the drag queens uh, at it best you're the best thank you all right see ya Yay! wasn't that an amazing story i'm just so thrilled that we got to to tell that story today here and i found it compelling three edits in so i hope there was something in it for you it's back to work and back to life tomorrow so we will be back next sunday talking to Sarah from Glasgow. I hope you've enjoyed these interviews over the weekend. Please like, share most of all and subscribe to wherever it is you get our news and please drop by Patreon, Leaving Hillsong or the PayPal to show your support. We could really, really use it. 
Please continue to be good to yourselves and to be good to each other. We will talk at the end of the week. Keep safe. Keep leaving Hillsong. And we'll talk then. Bye.